And we welcome you to the Tuesday morning show on WGTD. I'm Gregory Berg. We're going to be doing two things today on the program. In part one, we're previewing a very exciting theatrical production that is about to open in Kenosha at the Rhodey Center for the Arts in downtown Kenosha, the great classic Raisin in the Sun. Uh, in part two of today's program, we're going to be pre- previewing this weekend's uh, concert of the Kenosha Symphony Orchestra. For part one, I'm very excited to welcome into our studio three people involved in the production of this uh, groundbreaking play. First of all, we have uh, Adriana Jones, who is uh, an instructor in the uh, theater department at Carthage College and the director of this production. And two of her actors are uh, with her. Vanetta Powell, who plays the uh, role of Mama in Raisin in the Sun, and uh, Marquand D. Harris, who portrays uh, the role of Joseph uh, Asagai. And this production is going to be running uh, at the Rhodey for the next two weekends, and then they take it on the road uh, to West Allis for a third weekend of performances. And of course, we are in the last stint of rehearsals, so this is a busy time, and I appreciate all three of these people making time in their schedules uh, to be part of the morning show today. So, Adriana Jones, uh, Vanetta Powell, Marquandi Harris, we welcome all of you to the morning show. Thank you. Thank you Thanks for having us. Glad you can all be here. Maybe pull your mics just a touch closer so we sure. hear each and every word. This is great. First of all, um, Adriana, mm-hmm. tell us a little bit about the opportunity for you to direct a play that I suspect you have known about and uh, mm-hmm, probably mm-hmm. have very strong feelings about. Yes, um, and actually my cast members are going to learn a couple new things about me. Um, I do have a past with this show as well as far as in my acting days I was in a production of Raisin in the Sun. Uh. So now uh, being able to direct a production of it is um, is is quite an honor. Um, and not to mention the fact that this is um, essentially a, a classic play by Lorraine Hansberry um, that is still speaks volumes today. Uh, the play premiered in 1959, and yet uh, the story is still palpable. I can see like many of my own family members among the cast, uh, among the, I should say, characters portrayed in this show. And um, it's a story that... I think many people in the audience will also be able to see either themselves or other people from their life and their background uh, represented on stage. And so that representation as far as um, black stories is is really important to me as far as an artist. It has been as far as the shows I, I, I try to be a part of and the stories I try to tell as an actor, but also now on the opposite uh, side of things as a director and helping to shape these stories behind the scenes and um, work with amazing actors and share their who share their talents on stage. Very good. Uh, before we have you summarize the story uh, of Raisin in the Sun, uh, let's ask our two uh, actors who are with us about your own particular connection to this play, how much you knew about it. Uh, heading into this project uh, before even auditioning for it. Vanetta Powell, let's begin with you. Uh, How far back do you go with Raisin in the Sun? Hi. I go way back since I was a little child. um, My first um, introduction to Raisin in the Sun, I think I was about maybe 10 years old. Hmm. And um, it just just show the storyline has always fascinated me. Um, I was able to... um, um, 
you know, relate to the characters um, because some of those characters I seen in my own family. Mm. And so I was kind of drawn to it and the theatrical part about it. And um, it's been a great experience. And mm. Sort of a dream of a lifetime, I should say. Sort think. of a dream of a lifetime. Yeah. Very good. How about you, uh, Marquand D. Harris? Uh, uh, is this a, a play that you had a lot of acquaintance with? You're uh, you're of kind of a different generation than <laughs> Vanetta, but uh, did you come to this project having any of that sort of same firsthand encounter or experience with, with the play? Uh, honestly, no, not at all. Um, when I first heard about the play, I didn't know what it was. And then I would tell my, my dad and some people, like some family members, and some people that I worked with, uh, what I was doing in the name of the play, and they had heard of it, but I hadn't heard of it at all. And I went online and saw that saw who the writer was, and then um, further along during rehearsals, uh, I would talk to the other actors about the play and their history of knowing the play, and so that kind of helped a little bit more. And then thank goodness for YouTube, because I was able to go on <laughs> YouTube and find uh, different adaptations, film adaptations, and uh, different types of play rehearsals of the play. And then as well as look up the cast from the original movie from 1959 mm. with Sidney Poitier. Mm -hmm. And that um, for me, that really helped a lot with getting to know who was in it and what the level of like professionalism was going into it uh, when it was first being made. Mm. Yeah, I guess when you, when a play is well, that would be sixty four years old, mm -hmm. uh, and and it's interesting how something like that uh, can can kind of recede even when it remains so timely. So, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. so uh, Adriana, uh, describe to our listeners. I suspect most of them have uh, a, a fairly fairly good understanding of this uh, of this story, but mm -hmm. especially for the sake of those who don't or have not thought about raising the sun in a long time sketch the essentials of the story. Mm -hmm. Sure. So um, the event that kind of uh, precedes our story and it's kind of starts us off on our path that we don't see but we hear, find out about is that uh, the uh, father of Walter and Benita, our family, and Lena, Mama's husband, has recently passed. And um, he has left a life insurance um, um, kind of inheritance for his family that Mama is, is going to be receiving and that will hopefully be able to do something for the family as far as moving them forward into this new chapter in their lives. Um, but we have... Um, different ideas within the family about how this money should be used. Um, and as far as the son, as for, who is now the new head of the household, taking the place of his father, he is trying to fill those shoes and figuring out how to fill that role. And I, I, I would say that they are large shoes to fill in this house, this this um, kind of hole that's been left by this his father passing. And it's felt by not just him, but everyone in the family. So everyone's trying to figure out this new relationship, how everything works, and um, move forward together. And um, it takes place in Southside Chicago in 1959, um, when uh, race relations, uh, as we know, were not the best. It's uh, around the time of the civil rights movement when that's about to begin. And um, so as a black man trying to navigate in this time period, he uh, he wishes to do something with this money to um, 
bring his family forward, and he feels that it's his responsibility to figure out the best way to use this money. Now, uh, other folks in the family uh, don't necessarily agree with his plans for the money, um, and they they the play kind of they figure it out together is kind of what happens along in our plot. Um, and the recurring theme that I've talked about with my cast is the idea of a dream deferred. Mm. Yes. So the uh, father who passed away, he worked as a laborer and um, for most of his life and worked hard to earn the monies, monies for his family and provide for his family that he earned. And uh, Walter, his son, is working as a chauffeur, and but he also wants more for his life. And they both had these dreams or visions for what they thought their life could be or should be. And so constantly working and working and working to uh, striving for these dreams and goals but it's sometimes we, i feel like we all have dreams right and uh it's all a matter of maybe a slight shift in perspective hmm. we think one dream is where our life should go but it turns out if we shift our perspective just a little bit we we turn we find out that the dream was maybe there the whole time hmm. The the uh, the the real kind of uh, blessing as far as or the, the the level of success that we've been looking to achieve is not quite le- quite what we pictured at first. Mm-hmm. Beautifully put, and uh, and and of course, in some ways, we're just scratching the surface of all that's part of this story. It mm-hmm. is so rich, and yes. so much is happening on so many levels. So many levels yeah. with each character of the story. Absolutely, Vanetta. Let's talk a, a moment about the character of Mama. And uh, when this insurance money is uh, on on the way uh, from your your character's husband's uh, death, uh, one of your uh, concerns about that money is that it not be used uh, to help help open what is it a liquor store or mm-hmm. something? Uh, yes, uh, that Walter's <laughs> business venture. Right. Mm-hmm. Yes, uh, <laughs> an, an ill-conceived uh, business venture. You instead want to use that money to buy a house and. The specifics of that house and where you want the family to move is really one of the most intriguing wrinkles in the play. Mm-hmm. Tell our listeners more about that. Yeah, I, I really can uh, recognize the vision that she had for getting this house because she saw her husband work so hard and, you know, how the toll it took on him. And she wanted it to count for something. And so she thought about buying this house where she can leave a legacy for her children, something that could be passed on through each generation. She talks about throughout the show how the importance of recognizing the five generations she's come to Mm. and the the dignity they had and all that they've been through. And she didn't want it to be for nothing. So liquor, a liquor store just wasn't a thing <laughs> that she wanted to be, her husband to be recognized with. And so um, I, I can identify with that because, you know, I, I often say personally that, you know, whatever present you leave is important how people remember you. Mm. And she wanted her husband to be remembered 
for something great because she's seen him work. She mentioned in the show how she said she's seen him work till he was old and thin before he was 40. Mm-hmm. His eyes was red and vein busting in his head. He worked like a horse. Mm-hmm. And she sees how it took a toll on him, and she just did not want that to be in vain. Mm-hmm. So she thought about a house that could be passed on to each generation in her family. And I thought, to me, that was one of the greatest things you can do. Right. And, of course, one interesting thing is about where, where that the house, house is. is. Mm-hmm. So the house that Mama uh, looks to uh, buy and put down a down payment for the family is in a neighborhood called Clybourne Park, which at the time uh, was a primarily white neighborhood. I, not primarily white, all white neighborhood. And um, But Mama said it's she didn't just want them to move into an all-black neighborhood that had um, homes that weren't as nice and that also quite cost twice as much she wanted a home that actually reflected mm-hmm. as um, mm-hmm. uh, Vanetta just put it the hard work that her husband put in so she felt that it should be rewarded with the best mm. because he was to in her eyes he was the best he was her hero he was the provider he was everything to her and so she wanted the best for him and um but like i said 1959 moving into an all white neighborhood mm-hmm. how that might be received not quite so well and we and we actually have the the one uh, white character in the show comes and pays the younger family a visit at their home to talk to them about that decision and and see if they might reconsider. Right, to put it very gently. <laughs> gently. Right. I, as, as I think about that part of the story, um, I think about Dr. King, Martin mm-hmm. Luther King, and how one of the most discouraging moments in his whole career as a civil rights activist mm-hmm. happened in Chicago. Mm-hmm. And, I mean, where he encountered, in a sense, a, a, a different kind of racism than he had encountered in the South. Less overt in mm-hmm. many ways, but in some ways even more pernicious, even more deeply rooted, mm-hmm. and very, very difficult mm-hmm. to, to 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 work with. Yes, and 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 that's kind of what we're talking about mm-hmm. here. I mean, we're not talking about someone in a white hood burning a cross on someone's yard, mm-hmm. but we're talking about nevertheless a yeah. very, very formidable kind of racism. Yes, and. And I, and the way it's dealt with in the play, I think, is is so expertly crafted. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. It's ne- never. Uh, I agree with you. It's never kind of nothing's kind of spoken outright as far as what we're talking about. But yet, everyone senses in the room the thing we're talking about, which is racism. Right. Exactly. The other theme of this play that we need to touch on for a couple of minutes is is kind of one of cultural identity and assimilation and so on. Mm -hmm. And we have this uh, situation with two different potential boyfriends for uh, the daughter, Benita. Mm -hmm. And uh, they're very different from each other. Before we uh, talk to Marquand, just Mm -hmm. sketch that interesting contrast for Mm -hmm. us. Uh, I love how uh, Lorraine Hansberry kind of writes this with uh, Benita having two suitors, both of whom are very different, could not be more different. One of whom, uh, George uh, Murchison, who comes from an affluent black family, actually, uh, which is kind of rare for that time. Um, But he 
uh, is the typical kind of uh, college boy who's a prep guy who, uh, with money, comes from a family of money, kind of a little bit snobby, very into his looks and how also I think his his woman, the woman on his arm, looks and talks and 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 uh, lives their life and the their work. And so he has many opinions about that, and he feels free to share them with Benita at many times throughout the show, um, encouraging, almost encouraging her to uh, forget her roots, whereas uh, and and assimilate, as you if as you put it, whereas um, Asagai, on the other hand, he comes from his home country is Nigeria and he's from the uh, the tribe of Yoruba there and so that is his home and it's he he comes to America as a student at the at a school as well in college and that's how he meets Benita and his perspective is completely different he um, as far as how he views Benita he's not necessarily encouraging her to assimilate but embrace her natural beauty hmm. that he is all too familiar with because mm-hmm. of being from his home country. What has this been like for you, uh, Marquand, to play this this character of of Asagai? And and in any way has it kind of got you thinking about some of these very same issues, which of course probably play out very differently now in 2023 than they did maybe back in 1959. But what's it been like for you to portray this particular character? Uh, it's been very interesting for me. Um, I've worked with a lot of like different people from Africa, and so I've got to speak with a lot of them and get their perspective on the differences between um, the black community and Africans when they come over to the U.S. Hmm. So, and then to be able to play a uh, Nigerian character uh, is is nice. I like it because I, I feel like I get to kind of tell a story about um, what it's like to be from there, and then to kind of com- not, for lack of a better word, compete. With someone who is from the U.S. and grew up with money and grew up, you know, going to school and things like that. So it's been, I like it. Uh, it's been a very eye-opening experience for me to see that um, a lot of a lot of brothers, when they kind of get up to a certain stature in life uh, with school, with work, with money, how they act, how they dress, things like that, and then how they interact with women, um, it's been very familiar, though. It's been very familiar because I've seen it before. Um, and then I've also seen the other side, how Asagai is, where he's infatuated with the girl, but he's still, like, just enjoying life and enjoying the fact that, you know, we're here together and there's more serious things but not so serious things in life while George is like, mm-hmm. nah, you know, don't worry about where you came from. Just worry about how you look and how good you look and I'll take care of the rest and things like that. Mm. And stuff, you know. Yeah, really gets us thinking about values mm-hmm. and yeah. what we value most, what is most important to us, and what is most important to the people around us. Yeah. Uh, so, Adriana, we're obviously in the last bit of rehearsals, uh, yes. in just our last minute or so. Uh, what has this experience been like for you and the cast to put mm-hmm. this great classic together? Mm-hmm. It's been quite a ride and a fun ride at that. Um, I've enjoyed all of the ups and downs. Um, the cast, like, we've, of course, had challenges that we've come through as, as far as um, – 
uh, early on with casting and, and finding our cast, putting us together, but we've gelled as a family. And uh, so I'm very excited. It's a, a small cast. There's only um, nine or ten cast members. So we've been able to kind of be, be get really close and, and kind of gel as a group. And, um, yeah, I'm just honored to be able to tell this story. And it's a special uh occasion kind of a special event for Kenosha specifically as a show I don't think has ever uh, of this caliber all black cast almost mm. uh, been shown in this area yeah not that I recall and certainly I don't don't have recollections of this particular production mm-hmm. either so this mm-hmm. is a real uh, a real opportunity for people to encounter this great play, Lorraine Hansberry's Raisin in the Sun. So it runs this weekend and the following weekend at the Roadie in downtown uh, Kenosha, and then the following weekend uh, in a uh, smaller venue in West Allis. And if people want more information for tickets ahead of time, what should they do? Uh, they can go online to fleeingartists.org uh, to purchase tickets via the website. They also, if they are familiar with social media, they can find the Fleeing Artists Facebook page um, or the Instagram page as well uh, that also exists to uh, find out more information about the show dates and find the link to uh, purchase tickets as well. Fantastic. Adriana Jones is the director of the production. Marquand D. Harris and Vanetta Powell, two members of the cast. Thank you all for being part of the morning show today during what I know is a very, very busy week. And uh, best wishes to you and uh, everyone involved with Raisin in the Sun. Thank you so And continuing our conversation just a little bit about Raisin in the Sun, as I just mentioned, uh, the third weekend will take the cast to uh, a much smaller space Mm -hmm. in West Allis. Uh, Adriana, uh, tell us about that space and about the challenge of Mm -hmm. transplanting a production from one performance venue to a very different one. Right. Uh, yes, the small space we'll be in in West Dallas is Inspiration Studios, um, just uh, located just out of outside of Milwaukee, and uh, it only se- seats fifty people. So, and it's it's. Mm, I guess you could call it a similar a black box uh, theater or a studio theater if you're familiar with those terms. So it's very small, very intimate, and up close and personal, which I am quite excited to uh, make this change because especially with a show like this one where it's uh, you – are experiencing the younger family in their household, in their apartment in Southside Chicago, where they all live, five people live. Kind yeah, this of on is top. not a palatial mansion. Uh-huh, <laughs> no, they're all on top of each other. It's a small space. So transporting it to a small space just makes that eve, that even more visceral and real to not only the actors, but the, uh, the audience members experiencing it. They can almost feel like they are in the apartment with the young family. Hmm. I like that uh, picture that you're painting. And so in some ways, this space in which you're going to be moving is going to be especially uh, appropriate. And you were telling me before we went on the air that you had some of your first rehearsals in Mm -hmm. the Pollard Gallery, which is right next to the roadie. Yes. And uh, that's a a very intimate space. And so that Mm -hmm. was good prep for this. Yes, exactly. We, uh, because many shows were rotating in the roadie theater on the main stage, we were started off in the Pollard uh, loft, a loft space in that art gallery there. And it's much smaller. The ceilings are low. Uh, It it is not... uh, kind of one-to-one in terms of the scale at all moving to the big stage and um 
so it almost makes the performances and uh, for the actors a little bit more filmic mm. in terms of they don't necessarily have to project as loudly. The movements don't necessarily need to be as big, and everything is a little more intimate, like I said. And so uh, it was a transition and an adjustment when we had to move from the loft to the stage mm. we're on now. So I anticipate that moving back to a smaller space is actually not going to be necessarily uh, too much of a challenge. It'll feel almost like coming home. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> very, very good. I want to take a moment just to get uh, uh, further acquainted with uh, the two actors, the two members of your cast that you brought with you today, mm-hmm. Marquand D. Harris. Um, I'm just curious, uh, for you, uh, growing up, were you a theatrical kid where this kind of thing was of interest to you, or or, or did you come to theater a little bit later once um so no i didn't much grow up theatrical i had been to plays with school and things like that and it always kind of been somewhat of an interest to me but i never really got into it too much i was you know focused on school and graduating and things like that and kind of doing other things working but it wasn't until i was about like 19 or 20 i got more into acting and then a little bit later um got more into wanting to do plays this is my first one actually so uh, it's nice to be able to do that. My dad had always been telling me and my mom as well, uh, you know, go find a theater, go to a community theater, find a play, do auditions and things like that. So hmm. um, talking to my dad recently, some months ago, um, I was like, okay, well, let me go ahead and see what's out there. And I had applied for Raising in the Sun, and they had emailed me about doing an audition. So uh, it was I was very glad to see that, just putting myself out there a little bit, was able to give me an opportunity like this. Wow, very good. It's great that it's uh, that this opportunity is coming your way. Vanetta, when did you first hit the stage? I hit the stage, uh, I believe it was in 1993, um, with um, A Pack of Lies, which was held at the RTG Racing Theater Skill. Um, I was in uh, my first year of college at Carthage, ah. and I got the opportunity to work with uh, Mr. Norman McPhee, oh, one yeah. of the pillars of the guild, and he cast me for a Russian spy hmm. <laughs> named Sally. <Okay>. And <laughs> that was my first opportunity to, to get on stage. And from then on, I just continued on um, doing is it shows something here you, and there. Is it something you had wanted to do? I mean, had you had a hankering, or did this kind of sort of come out of left field? I mean, sort no, of a surprise. It, it, it was something that I always wanted to do since a child. Um, I can remember way back times when... Um, the children would be out playing, and my other uh, neighbors and kids would be out playing, and I would kind of taper off from them and go to my backyard, and you know, if something I seen on TV, and a couple of people that I looked up to, I'd be back there just imitating and working my skills, and I huh. can remember one time I heard my mom telling somebody that Vanetta's pretty busy right now. But she knew what I was doing, uh. and she didn't want them to dis, you know, disrupt me, interrupt me. So, you know, um, there were times where the, my siblings would say, Mom, Vanetta's doing this, Vanetta. And she'd say, oh, she's just acting. Mm. And so she started putting that seat there since a child, my mother, and because she saw that in me. And it's just something that I developed as I went on and on. I um, kept saying to I was going to go to school for it, but I just didn't have the time doing all the things I had to do. So um, I just continued to work into the community and uh, audition for different shows and got cast for it and, and developed my craft, and here I am. 
Well, you are a force <laughs> of nature on the stage. I fondly remember uh, collaborating with you on the RTG's production of Mary Poppins. That mm-hmm. was so much fun. I think that's when I first met you and enjoyed seeing you. And I look forward to seeing Raisin in the Sun uh, very, you. very much. Uh, the son of my pastor, Pastor Doidge, his son Jordan is in the cast mm-hmm. as well, and mm-hmm. so I'm excited to see him. He's that's his first play, so uh, so you and you and Jordan are uh, Marquan are each uh, enjoying your stage debuts uh, in mm-hmm. this production of Raisin in the Sun. Adriana, uh, when did theater first become important to you? Mm, so uh, theater became came out of music for me. So I. Uh, have been a singer for most of my life. I started off singing in church, uh, growing up in in church, being raised in the church. And uh, then in high school, I found music theater, Mm. or musical theater, as we call it in the States. And uh, so I started doing musicals, because I wanted to be able to sing. And so, okay, they have these musicals where you can sing and and kind of perform and do it all, so I guess I'll try that. And uh, took to it like a fish in water, and uh, got very inspired by um, an alumni from my high school came back and performed. He graduated from the program at Roosevelt uh, Mm. in California Chicago, and I saw him perform a song from this musical called The Last Five Years. I remember it vividly. Mm. I tell the story all the time. Mm. And his performance uh, was just so amazing and real and vivid. I felt like I I could see him transform into this new person. So it just really kind of touched me as far as like what an artist is capable of. And it inspired me to try and pursue it as a career. I got, um, I majored in music, musical theater at Webster University in um, St. Louis, the St. Louis area where I'm from. And uh, after that, I, I, took a year off before I hit the road and I moved to LA for a few years. That's where I started working as an actor, um, doing trying to do film and commercial work, but also still doing theater uh, via cabarets and small theater projections. Um, and eventually from there, found my way onto cruise ships as well for a little bit. Mm. Um, yep, before the pandemic happened. So I've been all over, done all kinds of things, done theater all over the country as well. Wonderful. Well, the Carthage Theater Department is lucky to have you, as as is the cast of uh, Raisin in the Sun, which again opens this coming weekend at the Rhodey Center for the Arts in downtown Kenosha. Thank you, Adriana Jones, uh, Marquandi Harris, and Vanetta Powell for being a guest on The Morning Show today. It was great to talk to you. Thank you. Thank you for having us.